0: You all can have a seat. Good morning. morning. Welcome to MCC. We are glad that you all are with us this morning. Last Sunday, we welcomed Marva and Sarah Page, as well as their family, to place their membership here at MCC, and we welcome them home together. Like David talked about over the last 24, 48 hours, we spent our time with the high schoolers over at Wonder Valley talking about this life in the in-between where we now have God's spirit. Anybody who trusts and believes in Jesus, we have a spirit, a presence from heaven living inside of us. Here in this physical space where there is temptation and sin and desires, where we are awaiting Jesus' second coming, his return back for us. And today, we're gonna start off or finish off here within 1 Corinthians chapter nine. So go ahead and pull up your Bibles to 1 Corinthians chapter nine. Corinth is a church that Paul is writing to where he helps them and the believers look back to what God's desires are for them in this life. The fact that they have a church Founded in the resurrection of Jesus. Where there are believers there who have his spirits. But they're allowing distractions from the outside. Throw off their disciplines. Their ability to run this race in the way that Jesus intended them to. Where Paul calls this running in such a way to win the prize. Where we can look at our lives and look at the world around us and think just how difficult it is to run. We ask ourselves this question, are you in it to win it? Like think about it for yourself, are you in it to win it? Are you running in such a way as to win and achieve the prize on your own, knowing that you have already secured victory that is found in Jesus when you have His Holy Spirit? What are you doing? This life as a follower of a Jesus, are you creating lifestyle and disciplines to conform to him because of your love for him? Or are you merely just getting a fix every now and then, opening up your Bible here and there, talking to him in communion here and there, gathering and joining together as a church, thinking it might be optional sometimes? You're merely getting a fix of the kingdom of heaven, or are you actively pursuing it with all that you have. 1 Corinthians chapter 9, verse 19, says it like this. Paul's talking right into the church of Corinth, says, though I am free and belong to no one, I have made myself a slave to everyone, to win as many as possible. To the Jews, I became like a Jew, to win the Jews. To those under the law, I became like one under the law, though I myself am not under the law. So, has to win those under the law. To those not having the law, I became like one not having the law. It's as though I am, I am free, or I'm not free from God's law, but I am under Christ's law, so as to win those not having the law. So the weak, I became the weak to win the weak. I've become all things to all people, so that by all possible means I might save some. He says, I do this all for the sake of the gospel, that I may share in its blessings, goes in verse 24 talking about the disciplines that are required to run such a race. He says, do you not know that in a race all runners run, but only one gets the prize? Run in such a way as to get the prize. Everyone who competes in the games goes into strict training. They do it to get a crown that will not last, but we do it to get a crown that will last forever. Therefore, I do not run like someone running aimlessly. I do not fight like a boxer beating the air. No, I strike a blow to my body and make it my slave so that after I have preached to others, I myself will not be disqualified for the prize. Let's pray. Lord, thank you for your word that we've gotten to experience, that we've just heard read out loud. Lord, we know that your word has power. It has power to change and influence our lives. God, I pray as we look into your word and we study it, that you would transform our hearts and our lives, that we would understand it at a head level to a heart level, that it would change the lifestyles, the very way that we run this race. That all of our disciplines, all of our routines would conform to look more like you, put in place to run in such a way as to win the prize. Lord, we love you. And we thank you for our king, our savior, Jesus is in his name. Amen. Well, let's set the stage here. The Greeks had two athletic festivals that they held every single year. One was the Isthmian Games, which is what we're going to talk about. And the other one was the Olympic Games. The second or the first of these two, the Isthmian Games were held in Corinth. Athletes would stick to really strict regimens or disciplines. I don't know if you've ever seen an athlete train, but they had very strict disciplines in order to compete as to win the game. Paul talks about only one being victorious at the end of these games, the Isthmian games. Everybody in Corinth would have been familiar with these games. And they recognize the disciplines that athletes would have put into practice in order to try and win. So Paul uses this to draw a bigger picture for them. See, athletes train day and night to win a prize made out of leaves. What are we doing to win a prize that lasts forever? The answer is disciplines. What does our lifestyle look like? What are the practices that we're putting in place? And I want us to just take into account our current routines at the moment. Take an account, think back to your day, weekly, monthly routines. The time that you get up in the morning to the time that you go to sleep at night. What are you doing? Where are you at? What are you thinking about? From the time that you wake up and get your coffee to the time that you put your beds or put your kids to bed and go to sleep. What are the things that you're doing? Look at the lifestyle that's producing your life right now. And I want you to ask yourself this question. Are you satisfied? Are you satisfied with the way that your life is going right now, the way in which you're running as to get the prize? Are you satisfied? Do you feel like I got it all together? My walk with Jesus is going great. My spiritual life is vibrant and growing. I feel full of joy and energy and an excitement for God. Is that you? I love sharing and engaging others about what God is doing in my life. Is that you right now? Or do you feel like you fall into the category of, I'm just struggling to get through? How many times do we say that to uh, ourselves? Thinking about the work week ahead, saying, I am just struggling to get through. Man, I'm dragging my feet just to get out of bed right now. It's hard. You fall into the category of, I act one way around my friends and then one way at church. I feel distracted. There's always something going on that's making me restless. What about this? I'm feeling burnt out. I feel like I'm here physically, but spiritually, I'm dead. See, in the Corinthian church, there was a world full of distractions. Causing these believers in Corinth not to be able to run the race in which Jesus intended them to. Throwing off their lifestyle and their spiritual disciplines. I'm talking, they had a whole mess of things that they were doing. Pagan temples, idol worship, incest, lawsuits happening. I don't even know how to throw a lawsuit on somebody. But evidently, there was a lot of that happening over there. There's swindling. swindling thieving, and then a whole slew of bad practices. If you could name it, they were probably up to it. They were up to everything because of the distractions that were around them in a culture that looks a lot like ours today. A world full of distractions and lack of practices or disciplines for a church trying to practice the ways of Jesus. If it were up to them, they probably would have lost their crown, their victory, but good thing it's not up to them. This gift of salvation has never been one to earn, but one that God freely gives as we know as believers. As Paul says, though I am free and belong to no one, I have made myself a slave to everyone to win as many as possible. See, we don't have to win by our own strength in order to attain the prize. But those who believe in Jesus have already been granted victory and freedom through his life death and resurrection. In order to get into the race, we have to believe, which is not just having blind faith, but this is a head knowledge to a heart knowledge which changes the way that we live every single day. And the question for those who have believed and are running this race is, are you in it to win it? you want to run the race in the way that Jesus intended, experiencing his kingdom here on earth like we can, full of joy and vibrancy, desiring to pursue God as he has pursued us. Is that you? Do you feel something lacking there that you're like, I want to do this right as Jesus intended me to? When running the race, we got to understand that it's not our victory to secure, but Jesus's that he has already given us. For those who believe in him, we're not running by our own strength either, but now his Holy Spirit is here to guide us and help us every step of the way. Paul, in his example of life lived running the race, he accepted the victory and the freedom that he said. He says, I have become free and intentionally made himself what he calls a slave, which denotes this meaning of giving myself wholly to one's needs and service. The fact that he is making himself a slave to God, giving himself over everything that he has, back to God and to the people around him. Paul himself gives himself freely as to win as many as possible. As if he owes it to this people to share the good news, as if it depended on his own being in order for them to be saved. That is the intentionality that he took when running the race. Full of joy. And full of love because of the disciplines that he had already had in place. And As followers of Jesus, this should be the case for us as well. For Paul, he goes off to list a number of different types of people. The Greeks, the Jews, and the weak. There's a whole lot of law talk in there. But basically, it, the conglomerate of people there, it's all ethnicities and all cultures. Like when he went into the church of Corinth, when he went into this place in order to watch the games, there was all types of people there. And so he became all types of people in order to win those. Went into the heart of culture, straight into the heart where the games were held, and he would express his desire for them to join the race because of the Jesus. Meeting them at their level or becoming like them. He's not talking about becoming like them, like engaging in all the stuff that they're doing, all the idol worship and the paganism, all the sexual immorality. He's not talking about joining them at the club or at the brothel, he's not talking about doing some of that stuff, but he's saying, becoming like them, getting on their level, not thinking of himself as a higher status, but giving his services over to them as though it depended on his own being to win them over to Jesus. And with us today, being in the middle of a culture, it's difficult to meet people and engage the environment around us. Like it's hard, because we feel like as soon as we engage the culture, what happens? We get sucked up into it with every distraction. With every temptation we feel like we get sucked up into it. what all of our friends are doing, our coworkers, our family. We feel like we're getting sucked up right into it. The distractions and the noise around us keep us from running a life that is disciplined in pursuit of Jesus. TV, social media, sports, noise. And here's the numbers. The average American, look at this, the average American spends a total of 2,737 and a half hours a year watching TV. Look at this, 705 hours a year on social media. Can you believe that? Do you realize how much time that is? I'm not gonna go around checking screen times. You guys should have already got that notification if you got an iPhone. I'm not gonna go around doing that, but you guys recognize how much time we're spending on screens right now, filling our lives up with distractions and noise. I want you to know that that's not a small number, but that's literally 150 days in total, 150 24-hour periods that we are spending with distractions and noise from our phones and TVs, That's a lot. Imagine a professional athlete taking 150 days off a year. Would you still consider them a professional athlete? Nah, probably not. Probably not. You would probably consider that more of a hobby. How about yourself? How about calling yourself a follower of Jesus or a Christian? If you take 150 days off a year focusing on God, Would people look from the outside into your life and call you a Christian? Do you think your life is going to be run with joy and excitement if you're going to spin it away from the source of joy, which is God? Probably not. As Christians, we run. Weary of the distractions, 150 days worth of distractions is immense, where your understanding of the world comes from the distractions and what you're consuming instead of the truth. Which who is the truth? Where do we get our understanding of the truth? From God and his word. So when you continue to consume what we call truth or what the world calls truth instead of the actual truth, it acts as a distraction. The screens then time spent taking in information act as a distraction. It's not just screens. We're not just bashing screens, but it's also our friends. It's also the things and people that we allow to speak into our lives. It's the culture around us Where every distraction, we look less and less like Jesus and more and more like the culture around us. And this isn't the goal, but as a follower of Jesus, one must run in a way to engage the culture without being conformed to culture. We engage the people in the environment around us without conforming to it, without looking like it, without being distracted like it is. Pursuing others in this crown as if it depended on your own being. But still we engage without conforming. What does Romans 12 say? It says, do not conform to the pattern of this world. But be transformed by the renewing of your minds. And then, he says, you will be able to test and approve what God's will is. His good and pleasing and perfect will. We would give ourselves wholly over to God, allowing him to work in us and transform our hearts and our desires and our lives in order to live and to run for him. In the midst of a sexually heightened, dopamine depleted, distracted, immoral culture, we need to build routines and a lifestyle that is conducive to living life like Jesus. Most of us want to live a life like Jesus. I assume that if you're here, you probably want to live a life like Jesus, or at least are interested in who Jesus is, because he did things different. Most of us want to live a life like Jesus, but not many of us want to live a lifestyle that produces it. We want the end product, but the disciplines put in place within our lives are not conducive to it at all. John Mark Comer says it like this: Your life is the byproduct of your lifestyle. By life, I mean the experience of the human condition. By lifestyle, I mean the rhythms and routines that make up your day-to-day existence. Life is merely a byproduct of lifestyle. In order to achieve the life that God desires you to live, we have to take into account the lifestyle and the rhythms. I like that word. The rhythms are the routines that are put in place. Paul tells us how to do this right. Do you not know that in a race all runners run, but only one gets the prize? Run in such a way as to get the prize. Everyone who competes in the games goes into strict training. They do it to get a crown that will not last, but we do it. As followers of Jesus, we do it to get a crown that will last forever. Athletes, they go into strict training in order to compete for the games to win the prize. Michael Phelps, by no means a spiritual role model, knows what it means to have an athletic and physical disciplines within his life. And training like an athlete is what Paul is recommending that we do. Our spiritual disciplines would look like athletic disciplines. You know what led to Michael Phelps' 28 Olympic medals and his 82 total championship medals, like international? You know what allowed him to be the best swimmer? This guy ran, or not ran, but he swam 13 kilometers a day, six or seven days a week. At least 80,000 meters every week, And for those who don't know anything about the metric system, this adds up to 50 miles a week swimming. I don't know if you guys have ever tried to swim before, more than 50 meters, but after that point, my arms are tired, my legs are tired, I'm not even using my legs, like it's a whole mess of things going on. But Michael Phelps, 50 miles a week, he trains three sessions every single day, taking ice baths, stretching Regular checkups, getting enough sleep. He consumed about, get this, 10,000 calories a day. Like 10,000, that's a lot. The average for men, the average man eats about 2,500 calories a day. This guy was eating 10,000, all for the purpose of achieving the prize. With Paul, he paints this picture of how we should train such as an athlete to run and experience God's kingdom right here on earth. So to run the race, we must develop disciplines to help us practice the ways of Jesus. Athletes, they build their lifestyle in order to achieve their goals. There are several disciplines that Jesus models for us that I want us to take into consideration, that these are the practices This is the lifestyle, the routines, and the rhythms that make up his every single day. For him to run the race with vibrancy and for us to model our lives after his example. Here's some of the ones that were key or foundational to his ministry. The first one being this, community. Church gatherings and groups. There's a foundational piece like Jesus was always in community with people. He made it a priority. He didn't think it was optional. He didn't try to do it on his own. Even though he was God in the flesh, he never tried to do it on his own. But he was in community always. Luke 4, 14 through 16 says this. Jesus returned to Galilee in the power of the Spirit. And the news about him spread throughout the whole countryside. He was teaching in their synagogues, a place of gathering. And everyone praised him. He went to Nazareth where he'd been brought up. And on the Sabbath day, he went into the synagogue. Look at this. As was his custom, his routine. Didn't think it was optional, but he made it a routine to meet with others in his community, to encourage and to love, sometimes to put the smack down on some Pharisees, but he did it. (laughs) He was in community. Right now, are you encouraging your family and your friends to be in community? Have you encouraged? Have you reached out? Have you called your friends and family and said, hey, this isn't optional. This should be a routine for you. The gathering is not optional. But Hebrews says it like this and explains it as necessary. Let us consider how we may spur one another on toward love and good deeds. Not giving up meetings together as some are in the habit of doing. But look at this. But encouraging one another all the more as you see the day approaching. See, this weekly gathering, it's a place for encouragement, for prayer, for reflection, for conviction. To encourage one another, to go back into the culture, to not live like it. To engage without conforming being reminded of the transformation that needs to take place within our life in order to run the race as Jesus did. For some of you, you know the time that you made the commitment where you make the weekly gathering a priority. You know the time. You can think back and say, I remember when I made that a priority and it changed the way that you ran from that point on. You run differently when people are encouraging you. Jesus wasn't just interested in corporate gatherings though. He was interested in close, intentional groups where he kept his people accountable. I'm talking about his 12 disciples and then his inner three, his close circle of people where they would sharpen one another. Like the proverb says, as iron sharpens iron, so one person sharpens another. To sharpen and to push each other to best run the race together. Being with like-minded people, not just on the weekends, but being reminded to push each other through the week. And so my question is, Are you in a group? Are you running the race with fellow believers? If not, why? Why try to do it on your own? Here's the next discipline. Study. The memorizing and the meditation and study of scripture. Important. Jesus always talks about how important it is to be in God's word that he made and he surrounded his life with God's word, memorizing and meditating on it. But do you think God's word is life-changing? Do you view it as necessary? I'll tell you what, in traditional Jewish education they did. Students learned, like by the age of six, they were in synagogues learning to memorize the Torah, like the first five books of the Bible. They memorized it by the age of 10. Within four years, the first five books of your Bible, they had it memorized. Why? Because they viewed it as necessary and their lifestyle conformed to what God's word said because they recognized its power and its truth that it had for them to know who God is, for them to know what they should do with their life. For us, it looks a bit extreme to memorize that much. It looks extreme to be able to do that, but Jesus knew his identity, his belonging, and his purpose because of God's word and him meditating on it. Like he studied, he was learned, and then he focused on the Father and what he had to do with it. We in this world of distraction should be able to counter with God's word to a culture that is opposite of the truth. We should be able to have God's word as truth in our hearts to be able to counter it. Jesus did this to Satan three times in the wilderness saying, as it is written, man shall not live on bread alone. He said, worship the Lord your God and serve him only. And he says, do not put the Lord God, Lord your God to the test. Three different instances. Jesus was able to defend himself from culture, from distractions because of God's word hidden on his heart. Robbie Gattlady says it like this, be in the word until the word is in you. That's a line. Be in the word until the word is in you till it conforms your life and your lifestyle. God's direct revelation to us. We don't need to hear his audible voice. We don't need it. It's not necessary because we have his full revelation given to us on paper, his very breath on paper, that we would conform to his word and what he says. Hebrews 4.12 says it like this, for the word of God is alive and active, sharper than any double-edged sword. It penetrates even dividing soul and spirit, joints and marrow. It judges the thoughts and the attitudes of The heart, God's word shapes the way that we view the world around us because it's truth. And when we have God's word in our heart, we look at the world around us and the culture differently through the lens of scripture, through the lens of God himself. It'll change the way that we live. And how many of you right now feel like you struggle to find the time to read the Bible? How many of you? What about your F260? Are you caught up on that right now? Are you doing all that you can to put this word inside of your heart? But in the same breath, how many of you are able to keep up with your favorite sports teams and binge watch your favorite shows? We could say that we don't have time, but when we spend the hour before we go to sleep, instead of on TV, or social media, this hour that we have, we could read the entire Bible from cover to cover within six months. That not being the goal, but man, it just puts into perspective. What are we doing? Are we taking distractions that is life-taking or are we giving into God's word, which is life-giving? Get into the word as much as you can through devotionals. Look at guides on how to study. doesn't matter how you do it. Most importantly, just get into it. A gospel, a story, a few verses here and there. Put it on your heart and memorize it. Know what God's word said. Are you able to go back in the times where you're feeling anxious, the times where you just don't feel worthy or loved, where you're feeling stressed out and nervous about what the future holds? Are you able to go back to the spots within the word to reassure you of what God has already said, what he's already promised, to run the race fueled by God's word? Lastly, one of the most foundational disciplines that Jesus practiced is prayer. Prayer. Prayer, acknowledging and being in God's presence. Acknowledging God. Acknowledging that we have direct connection with Him. Prayer doesn't always have to be us talking to God, but by simply acknowledging God's presence, we have put ourselves in communion with the Father. We don't have to go through a priest, we don't have to go through the saints, we don't need a middleman, but we have God. Direct communication whenever we want, that we could voice all of our thoughts, that we can talk to him however, that we can voice our frustrations and our anxieties, that we can talk to him whenever we want. Through intercession, praying for someone, through confession, talking to God about our sins and repentance. But anytime we voice our thoughts to God, anytime we let him speak to us, we are praying. And Richard Rohr says it like this. Prayer is not primarily saying words or thinking thoughts. It's rather a stance. It's a way of living in the presence. And I love to think of prayer as not just an action that we do. It's not just words that is spoken, but it's a posture of being. That any time that we acknowledge God, we're in communion with him. Luke 5, 16 says this, But Jesus often withdrew to lonely places and prayed. Jesus often withdrew. That also can be translated to quiet places and prayed. Oftentimes, after long days of ministry, Jesus wouldn't just go home, grab a drink, kick his legs up on the couch, hang out with his disciples and say, well, that was a good day, fellas. It's time to get some rest. Didn't usually do that. That wasn't his custom. But sometimes after long periods of ministry, after long times of healing and teaching, he would spend the entire night, I'm talking from The end of the night till everybody wakes up in the morning, he wouldn't sleep, but he would go to be with the father. That was his priority. He knew that being with the father, being communion and praying with him and being in his presence was more powerful than even sleep itself. That it was more of a priority than his physical needs. And we think to ourselves, man, wouldn't it be nice to just have a couple more hours to do that? Man, I wish there was 28 hours in a day instead of 24. I had someone tell me that this week. I just have too much on my plate to make time for that. When we're looking at Jesus and his ministry, he had thousands of people following him everywhere that he went, knocking down his doors, tearing into the roof of his house, dropping people in like he was always being pulled in every single direction. There was never a moment that he wasn't needed. And if we think, If we see that Jesus needed to go out and spend time with the Father in prayer, it's ridiculous to think that we don't need to also. It's ridiculous to think that we don't need to be in communion as Jesus was in communion with the Father. If Jesus knew in order to run the race, God called him to run, he needed to center his life around prayer. How are we doing that today? Like what is the lifestyle and the routines and the rhythms that we are building and developing within our life in order to run and to be in prayer and communion with the Father? I like to do this in the morning. I like to get up before the noise and I like to go make a cup of coffee, build it within my rhythm, my routine. And I like to go sit down on the chair, turn on the lamp, stare at the window, and just continue to rehearse and memorize Psalm 23. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He provides rest for my soul. When we just sit and memorize God's word and we sit and we pray and we meditate on that, when we're in communion with the Father, this is prayer. In the morning before everybody else wakes up, tell Jesus, hey, what am I struggling to get up out of bed with today? Like, what are my anxieties that are happening today? What are the things I'm just not looking forward to? Voice all of these things over to him. Throughout your day, when you have people come up on your mind that Jesus putting this on your mind for a purpose and a reason, how about sit and pull over the car and text them and then go to God and say, hey, God, I pray for this person. I know that you're putting them on my heart. Lord, would you please help them? Or man, when you've got any time, a downtime, when you just have time to catch your breath, whether that's waiting in line for coffee or the movies, before you go to bed, before you turn on the TV, when you're making dinner, before you put the kids to sleep, after you do, spend time praying to the Father. He wants to hear you. Jesus did this often. We run the race best by being in constant relationship with the Father. Paul finishes this idea of running the race. Practicing these ways of Jesus saying, Therefore, I do not run like someone running aimlessly. I do not fight like a boxer beating the air. No, I strike a blow to my body and make it my slave so that after I have preached to others, I myself will not be disqualified for the prize. I like the Hebrews named version of this. It says, I beat my body and I bring it to submission. A little bit more hardcore, but I like the word picture that comes along with it. Like, we being the ones that are in control of our body. Not our thoughts. Not our lustfulness. Not our fleshly temptations. But us being the ones that are in control. The idea of setting disciplines in our lives so that we are in control of our bodies instead of letting our bodies control us. Not our lustfulness. Not our addictions. Not our pornography addiction. Not our social media Binging, not our binge watching on TV, not our laziness get the best of us. Instead of our schedule and our environment controlling our mind and our attitudes, our previous relationship control on how we feel and love others, giving in everything that our bodies want us to consume. Instead of that being the case, we would bring our bodies and we would beat it into submission, taking back control of what we know God's desires are for our life. Instead of allowing the culture control our lives. Saying, not what I want, but what God wants. See, by creating disciplines, God helps us to transform and run the race he desires for us. Creating disciplines to run the race he wants for us. So are you in it to win it? We've been given the freedom to engage the culture around us. Paul talks about us being able to make ourselves a slave to God and the people around us, not thinking of ourselves as higher status, but being able to engage to win them over as if it depended on our being. We must run in such a way, live in such a way that would point people, not distract people, but would point people to the life, the death and the resurrection of our King Jesus as if it depended on us keeping ourselves weary of distractions that come up and defend against them with prayer with study and with community encouraging one another to run this race best Jesus never wanted us to treat this lifestyle this life as a hobby never wanted us to do that but he wants us to pursue him with all that we have our whole lives because our whole lives because that is the price that he paid for us disciplining ourselves to live better for him. And if you don't know Jesus as Lord, if you're saying, man, God's got lofty expectations, I don't really know if I can adhere to that lifestyle. I got a lot going on. I just don't know if I'm worthy or if I'm good enough to run the race. I'll tell you this, nobody is. Nobody on this planet or for all of eternity will be able to run the race on their own, by their own doing. But the only reason that we're in the race to begin with is because Jesus has already paid the price. Like he's already ran and won the race. He's given us victory through his death and his resurrection from the grave. Like he has secured us victory already. All we have to do is what Peter says in repenting and believing to be baptized, to receive this Holy Spirit, which secures us into this race. His Holy Spirit being the one that seals us We don't run the race on our own, but we adhere to the victory. We give in to Jesus, surrender our whole selves over to him because we know that he was the only one able to do it. He's the only one able to give us victory. If you have not had that conversation, if you have not surrendered your life through baptism, if you're not running in the race yet, all of these disciplines are gonna be impossible to do because we don't do it on our own. But because of the victory that Jesus has already granted, We get to run the race as if it depended on our own being. Going and engaging culture for Jesus. If you haven't, if you haven't surrendered to him through baptism, we've got clothes in the back, I would love to talk to you about that. David at the Next Steps Wall would love to talk to you about that. If you have, if you're in the race right now, let's not try to run it on our own. Let's stop trying to do it on our own but let's push each other and pursue Jesus, encouraging and building one another up that we would run in such a way as if we were achieving victory on our own. But we know that's not the case because Jesus is the only one who's able to give us victory. Let's stand and let's pray. Lord, you're good and your word is good. And we're thankful even for a chance to be able to meet together and to look into it. God, we know, we know that there's distractions. We know that there is a culture and a world around us that does not want us to run this race. But God, you have given us freedom and victory to do so. God, we are in the race simply because you've already won. You've already achieved victory. And God, I pray that you would convict, that you would turn people to repentance that others would come to know who you are because of this race that we run. That they would recognize you as truth. They would recognize you as in control. They would recognize that they are not able to do this on their own. But Lord, we simply need to come to you to repent, to believe, to be baptized for the forgiveness of our sins, the gift of your spirit. Who is continuing to do all of this work inside of us? Father, let us simply remain in you. Let us abide by you. As a branch is to a vine. God, let us be consumed by you, not by the world around us. Father, we love you. We give you all the praise and the glory. It's in Jesus' name. Amen. If you need to have a conversation, Dave is going to be back there in the next steps, wall. Dave or I will be up here.